This podcast is reserved for audiences 18 years and older. Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Well, I almost can't believe it, but the Leather Talk podcast is now over two and a half years old. Now, we've had the honor of hearing personal stories from individuals within our leather and kink communities from all over the world. I myself have grown from the experience of just hosting the show And I really can't say I'd be the same person today without it. I want to thank everyone who supported the podcast over the years and a huge shout out to everyone in the Zoom who's really become some of my close friends and family. Now, today marks our 100th episode. And what better way to celebrate than to speak with the man who started it all? I've been trying to get Michael Lara, the owner of the Bullet Bar and Mr. Bullet Leather title competition on this show for literally years. I'm so excited to be speaking with him on what will be two episodes together. Michael is a character, to say the least, a virgin at heart, a slept by night, and someone who strived to preserve the magic and sacredness of the gay space that many of us have come to love and know as home, the Bullet Bar in North Hollywood, California. With all that said, let's sit back, relax, and get ready for some more leather talk. Brandon, you're Mr. Bullet Leather 2020, and today we have Michael. Hi, Michael. Hello, Brandon. Uh, for those audience members who might not be familiar with who you are, could you give us a little snapshot of you? Sure. My name is Michael Lara, L-A-R-A. I am 55 years old, Hispanic male. I identify as a homosexual. Okay. Cock-sucking homosexual. <laughs> Got it. I am the owner of the Bullet Bar. And the Bullet Leather title. Oh, yes. You produce it. Oh, okay. You're the owner. Yes, I am. The The Bullet Bar is the owner of Mr. Bullet Leather. Awesome. Which you currently are, the Mr. Bullet Leather. And I've been trying to get you on this fucking podcast for years, Michael. What took so long? Our lawyers just could not agree. <laughs> well, he could They were going get... back and forth, back and forth for many years. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> And well, I heard the stuff that went on in these interviews, so I was a little oh God. skeptical. You were skeptical. Well, now you have firsthand experience, but it's too bad we're both bottoms. So That's what people think, but I'm <laughs> disclosed. I am, I am and always will be the virgin borrower. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep telling people that. Um, awesome. Well, Michael, welcome to the 100th episode of this podcast. Um, we'll get more into the bullet bar and the title and, and all of that, but I always like to kind of start off with a little bit of a origin story, if you will. You said you identify as homosexual. When did you realize that you were homosexual? Well, first I want to say congratulations on your hundredth episode. Thank you. We at the bullet bar and myself are very proud of you. You've done a lot. And so thank you on behalf of the bullet bar and its family. As far as, let's see, as long as I can remember, I remember being gay. Even mm-hmm. when I was attracted to women, there was something inside that I was also attracted to their brothers. Mm. I would say at least seventh grade. I've been very fortunate with my family, too. Coming from a Latino family, that's kind of rare, right? Yeah, my dad was <laughs> very accepting, actually, wow. sometimes too accepting, <laughs> if huh. that's possible. Um, yeah, I, ha- I drove all the way to New York, Buffalo, New York, with the guy that I met the previous night. He promised me life, love, and glory, and all I got was beating and a hard way back to L.A. Wow. Wow. So um, my mother called, because I left without my parents knowing. Mm-hmm. I just left. Went into my job with my dad as my supervisor, said, I quit, you can keep my final check, and drove to Buffalo, New York. 
My mother called me around a week later when they found out where I was, and I, uh, she said, your dad said that you didn't have to travel that far to let us know to, or, or to inform us that you were gay. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I had really cool parents. Wow. Were you scared? Uh, Telling them? I wasn't anxious. Anxious, okay. Um, my entire life, the only thing I ever remember my dad saying was that was negative about gays was that he said to me, at least my brother isn't gay. But I kind of started, I called his brother a filthy, dirty name. <laughs> it seems like that kind of runs in the family, calling each other names and talking shit. <laughs> yes, it does. It's better than beating each other. Yeah. <laughs> Call, have the police come. And I loved that you had an, a, an event over Zoom when we were all locked in into COVID or whatever. We were all in our lockdown called... Um, Shit talking Tuesday. Shit, shit talking Tuesdays, and I, I remember popping in one time, and it was, it was fun, but it was brutal. <laughs> yes, we at the Bullet, especially the daytime customers, regulars, the family members, we love to talk shit about each other. We'll call the police on each other. <laughs> we'll fuck each other's boyfriends, but when it comes down to it, we're family, and we will stick to by each other. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so you grew up in Los Angeles, then. is that right? No. Okay. I was born in Los Angeles. I grew up in oh. um, Arizona. Arizona. Okay. Northern part. So you grew up in Arizona, then? Yes. My parents moved back and forth quite often. Okay. Um, but I would say around the seventh grade, eighth grade is when they moved there for the last time, or before they're moving back. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a very small town. Went to one high school called Mingus Union High School. Okay. Um, that served approximately 10 communities. Excuse me, five communities. My school was approximately five miles away. So if I missed the bus. You are fucked. Yep. Yeah. I had to walk him. So I'm trying to imagine, what year is this when you're like in high school, junior high, high school? Uh, I graduated in 1985. Okay. So at that point, that is like sort of like the height of of AIDS around that time. I remember sitting at home with my parents watching TV. I was on the floor. That's what us kids did back then. Mm -hmm. And AIDS, things about AIDS were coming up on the news, on the television. And it didn't, I didn't make the connection. Mm -hmm. Now as an HIV paused man, I do. (laughs) That didn't scare your family when you came out as gay? Um, They were concerned that, you know, you know, um, about, um, HIV yeah. and other diseases. But my my parents were used to my brother. He was a big old tramp. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of like the good child. My dad's favorite. Mm-hmm. Got the first car. When was your first boyfriend? My first boyfriend, official boyfriend, Stephen Spawn. Oh, he broke my heart. Nice guy, but broke my heart. Mm-hmm. I, Since he was my first, I was all in love. <laughs> I was just one of you know to the next guy. Actually, he he hooked up with me after he left his boyfriend, and then after me he went back to his boyfriend and they moved to Mexico. Oh my gosh! And they have a couple kids nice. that are like parents themselves now, I believe. Wow! And what did you learn about yourself in that first relationship as a homosexual? That I like dick. <laughs> no. It wasn't profound. <laughs> wasn't profound at all no you didn't find anything that you needed um or wanted or realized that you desired in a relationship that you didn't get out of that one oh that was when i was much younger and Mm -hmm. i wasn't thinking about really relationships too much or longevity of or growing old Mm -hmm. i was thinking about getting off going to the clubs in long beach having fun with him being seen with him i wasn't thinking that so when you're at that age, were you were you slutting around? Oh, I was a big slut. Oh my god, yeah, I was a big. I used to go to the adult bookstores. Oh really? Yes, on the weekends. First, I would go to the clubs in Pomona. Okay. And then if I didn't get picked up there, which I didn't really want to, because I wanted to go have sex at the adult bookstores off Central. You dirty slut. Yeah, I did. Um, I did speed. Uh, it was called crank back then. I call it the oh. grandfather or the great grandfather with the stuff they have there out, the stuff they have out there now. So I would do a couple lines after I got off work, clean my entire car, 
take door panels off and everything, clean it, jump in the shower, have another line, then go to the bars, talk to guys, whatever, have some drinks, and end up in the adult bookstores. And the first time I had consenting sex, now that I remember, was, uh-huh. well, a blowjob was in um, a adult bookstore. Really? Yeah. Okay. I was sitting there in the little room and jacking off or touching myself inappropriately, and I, um, he came in, a big old hairy bear. At that point, I wasn't really attracted to hairy guys at all because my dad was hairy, and I found it gross because he used to come to the table, the dinner table, with his shirt off. Oh, remind you too much of, of dad. Well, I wouldn't say that. It was, I just thought it was gross. You know, okay. Put a shirt on. <laughs> We're at the or, dinner table. Yes, this is a caveman. <laughs> um, so he touched me, freaked me out a little bit, and then I um, he asked me to go outside. And back then, it was really there was nothing; it wasn't built up or anything. This was all this shrubberies and all that other stuff. So, we, and he gave me a blowjob. He wow. wanted me to give it back, and I told him I didn't do that. Was that true? Yes, consenting. I see. I okay. was taking advantage of when I was a youngster. Um, but yeah, I liked it enough that I continued. And look where I am now, sitting well, here talking to you. <laughs> talking to me about it years later. Well, I'm just curious to know that like, okay, so getting picked up the at the bars versus going to have sex at these adult bookstores, was that a different experience for you? Was that a different thrill for you? Because you kind of mentioned before that you didn't really want to have sex getting picked up at the bar. You wanted to go to these kind of seedy area. It was fun. Yeah. It was, I don't know. Can you go to a bar, you cruise, you look at him, you look at him, he looks back at you, which is really cool. I really enjoy that. But just maybe the seediness, the, the fact that it, I could get busted by the cops. Yeah. And I did actually get busted by the cops. Wow. Or at least they stopped me, which was really cool because uh, I was a big time <laughs> bookstore slut. A bookstore slut. Okay. Oh, yeah. I went into those little rooms by the hour. <laughs> I'm not joking. I didn't know if you knew that, but you could do that. Well, you know, there's, I, I found out recently that there's about four or five bookstores around in the North Hollywood area. There used to be a lot more. I never went there, but they used to, I heard there used to be a lot more. It's uh, crazy. Fun. It seems like such an archaic thing with technology, the way that we have it now. But you're right. There is something like, I don't want to say nostalgic, but I do feel like I missed out on some of that kind of experiences i think today's youth have to be honest mm-hmm. with you i mean it's good that we we're, we're allowed to you know walk out of our homes hold our hands with our boyfriends come out to our families come out to society but there's also i believe you know like just that forbidden yeah the i mean i literally i was this guy was blowing me not that I was supposed to be uh, me giving head myself, but mm-hmm. this particular this guy was blowing me. We got caught by the people at the adult bookstore. This was on San Fernando Road and Central. There was quite a few of them. There's three of them. So I used to drive back and forth. I walked back. I was very active. We got kicked out, so we, d- we were still horny. We were young. So we decided to finish in the car. My pants were completely off to my ankles. <laughs> my driver's license was suspended. And it was really weird because it was kind of like a Kmart building so there was this huge parking lot okay so by the time we saw the cops coming or the cop coming and uh so by the time he got there, the only thing i could get on was my shorts to like mid knee or okay. a little above the knee um because i also had my shirt off so cock is still out you're trying to pull your pants up and yes. they catch you that almost that cop had to be a queen <laughs> because I could have got for I could have got busted for lewd conduct, and yeah. he was really cool. So I gave him my he asked me for a license and for both of our IDs, blah blah blah. And he said, "And hey, remember, I'm sitting here with my pants down, okay? You no literally got up. caught. Literally got caught with your pants uh, down. And um, he um, told me uh, he told us he goes, I don't care what you guys do, just take it to a hotel or to one of your rooms, and oh. drove off. Wow. So I figure he had to be a homosexual. He had to be a gay guy. Yeah, or or an ally, because at that point, right, wasn't there a lot of abuse with when it came to cops and homosexuals? And... Uh, I'm sure there was. I never ex- experienced any really yeah. of that, to be honest with you. Even at the bar, I really, I mean, from the cops, they've always been cool with me. I've been cool with them. 
their biggest thing is sometimes neighbors, you know, the um, because of parking. Right. But we come to terms with that. Which, by the way, I'm super upset that they, like, changed the parking next to the boulevard. There's, like, half the parking now. Where? They, at the boulevard. They, like, shut down that, that whole area across the street that you could, used to be able to park on. You can't well, that's been closed for a while. Yeah, like the last... They're supposed to open it up again once they get done with the um, tunneling and all that for the sewer system. Okay. Okay, so where's the timeline here between you getting cruisy around the bars and your encounter with HIV? Where Where is that timeline? I was di- uh, diagnosed with HIV in 2003. So that's, quote-unquote, fairly recent I mean, it's 2022. 19 years. 19 years. I don't know why 2003 seems like yesterday. To it me. does. It, it's crazy. I totally agree with you. Um, Getting old really sucks. <laughs> but as an HIV positive yeah. man, as an HIV positive man, I am really happy that I'm able to experience this because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people before me that have not. 2003 was around the time that we started to get protease inhibitors, mm-hmm. things that would actually keep you alive and everything prep i don't think actually came out until again fairly recently i would say 2013 2014 is mm-hmm. when it started to become a topic uh, a, a talking point around in the doctor's office oh my god i was so promiscuous i mean who knows but i there was this one guy that i tricked with yeah we barebacked and um When I said that I told him that I was negative mm-hmm. after we had sex, I thought he should have said, well, I am too, but he never responded. So I'm assuming huh. that he was positive. But he didn't say it. But doesn't, to me, it doesn't really matter where I got it from. I got right. it. And, I, and um, I'm living with it. And mm-hmm. so far, I seem to be living with it pretty good. I remember when um, I was first diagnosed, oh, my God, um, I do want to give a shout out to AIDS Healthcare Foundation. They saved my life. Hmm. I had no insurance, no money, really, and they took me. The Gay and Lesbian Center wanted me to wait like a month for an appointment mm-hmm. after I got tested and found out that I was positive. So I was telling my boyfriend at the time, and he goes, "You know, I know this gentleman. He started AIDS Healthcare Foundation, and it's for people that don't have any money. Blah blah blah. So you know." Call them up. I did. He got. I got an appointment within a week, actually four days. Um, they took me in, and they found out that I had PCP. So they were amazed that I was able to walk up and down the stairs. But those were, I hate to say this, but I recently got um, the vaccination. For? Um, monkeypox. Oh, got it. Okay. Got it. Like two weeks ago. Okay. And I got to tell you, standing in line behind the bathhouse, I think it's called NoHo Baths, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you have a member. Aren't you a member there? Yes. <laughs> I hate you. I think you're like a VIP member. <laughs> well, anyways, um, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but who cares? Um, it was really fun. We're all in line, right? And 99.9 of us are gay. Yeah. Okay. And you could tell the way we're dressed. Short shorts, tight tank tops. Yeah. Okay. I'm literally guys, not a lot, maybe four or five cars the hour I was there, going up and down the alley, uh-huh. cruising. It was like the good old days in the AIDS clinic. I remember AIDS Healthcare Foundation, they had to put a lock on the bathroom because guys kept going in there to have sex. I am raising my hand. You can't see out there, audience, but I'm raising my hand as one of them myself. <laughs> I mean, it was really cool because you can't lie to each other when you... Because you're at the AIDS clinic. I mean, it was really a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun getting my monkey pock vaccinated. It took me back to the good old days. That's hilarious. Okay, like, low-key, though. Were they open for business? Who? The the spa. Oh, I think they're 24. I'm not positive. But I'm I mean, it. during the vaccination. Well, they had it in the back. Oh, I There's see. There's a whole back, in, uh, back area that has an alley. Okay, okay. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny to have it at the bathhouse kind of thing. Hey. You know where their audience is. And I think it's actually brilliant, to be honest with you. It worked out because, here's the thing, it took me two weeks of running around town trying to get the the a qualified, right qualifications, different places, we're saying different things. I waited for five hours in line. It was hard to get that vaccination. 
Um, and they're making it more accessible for people, which was brilliant. Yeah, amazing. And great PR for them as a company. Yeah. Because like now, I'm, we're talking about it now, and how yeah. many people are talk? Other people are talking about it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But all I remember those days in the in the AIDS Healthcare Foundation um, <laughs> clinic. It was I, my doctor was really cool. So I mean, we know we. I mean, you knew at the when you were being promiscuous about HIV and the way it was spread and everything. Did you choose like regularly not to use condoms? Or oh no, was I that used just condoms. Like a, Oh, it was just that one experience or yeah. maybe a handful. Of Even when I would go to the, the bookstores and stuff like that, mostly I would be, the guys would give me a blowjob. Okay, okay. And I remember there was a couple guys that would put condoms on my penis and then blow me. Oh my gosh. Okay, I have a story for you. Are you ready for this? <laughs> so I'm at um, Slammer. Mm -hmm. And you know they have the glory holes. Have you been at Slammer before? One time. Okay, if you walk into Slammer, it's glorious. You walk in and there's like this raised platform and around the perimeter of the platform, which is like the center of this club, are glory holes. So you can stand up like normal and just suck dick. And there'll be people waiting in line to suck dick. So anyways, I get up there, right? Stick my dick through the hole and somebody starts sucking it. And I'm like, all right, and I'm getting close. I don't, want, I don't ever like coming from... A blow job because I feel like there's more mm -hmm. more to do um so anyways I pull out and there's a condom on my dick I had oh. no idea he, that guy was talented I think I'm talented. <laughs> <laughs> he probably came and didn't even realize it either I know. <laughs> did you look inside the condom no. <laughs> I'm like oh my god but see this is why I go to places like slammer and noho spa because I feel like those are the kind of the final frontiers of the places where you can get real seedy and disgusting and slutty. And yeah, I could get on my phone and order in, but it's just, it, it's not the same as like cruising, like hardcore cruising. And you can't really do that anymore. Yeah. I used to really love to do this. Stand by a wall or kick back with some friends, make eye contact with a guy across the, across the way and... 20 years later and five babies later. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, so when did you discover leather then? When did that come into the picture? Or do you consider yourself really like leather? I consider myself fetish. For me, and I'm, again, probably going to get in a lot of trouble, but for me, leather incorporates everything mm -hmm. in the fetish world. Whether you're into okay. rubber, whether you're into um, pup play, whatever. For me, the standard word is leather. Okay. I'm right. old school. Okay. What Very does old. old school mean? <laughs> that uh, I was born before 1970. Oh, I got it. Okay. For me. <laughs> so, okay. At what point do you discover that there is a such thing as leather or fetish in your life? Well, I smoke a lot of pot, so give me a second to think about this. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a profound moment. You know, all of a sudden I didn't walk into a bar and just say, wow, this is me. I start putting on leather chaps and stuff like that because I thought I looked cute in it. And then from there, obviously guys were attracted, they were attracted to guys in leather, start coming on to me. And then it's from there, we just start playing in leather. You doing mm -hmm. S and M, you know, scenes and stuff like that. So it just wasn't like all of a sudden, oh my God, I walked into the bull or I walked into Eagle or another And you had bar. this like uh, yeah, eye-opening no. experience or anything. So you were attracted to the men that were attracted to you yes. when you were wearing this, and then it kind of became... I found them to be hot. Yeah. Smelly, man-scent, hot. Okay, so uh, I guess man-smell oh, yeah. is one of your things. Yeah. Uh -huh. I like... Um, I'm very verbal. I like verbal. Okay. Um, like verbally, like abusive kind of thing? Like you um, name-calling? Like, I like racial play. Okay. Um... Some people say, "Why well, they're degrading you or you're degrading. I don't, I'm very comfortable with me as a Latino male. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't bother me at all. So you get off on like degradation. Yeah. Kind of To talk. a point. I remember, I, am I allowed to even say this? I remember one time and I won't mention You can, name. we can bleep if we have to. <laughs> um, I remember one time I was with my ex and uh -huh. he was sucking my dick. And I was calling him every filthy name in the book, you backward hillbilly motherfucker. <laughs> you 
cracker? Like, <laughs> and, and I said, you fuck your sisters. I realized at that point that I had went a little overboard. Oh, you had to hit a button with that with him. Well, no, he didn't. He didn't. He was too busy sucking my dick. So at first, he didn't realize what I was doing. Okay. And so therefore, because I have a pretty dick, so you know, he was really into it. <laughs> I wouldn't know. So. Okay. <laughs> um, so I started laughing. Uh-huh. I stopped and I started laughing. And then he realized what was going on. He laughed, stopped, and he started laughing too. And that was one thing good about a relationship because that happened before when we first met. He was, uh, we were having sex and he was calling me every dirty name in the book, right? And I, all of a sudden, I did start laughing. And he realized, again, that we went a little overboard. Uh-huh. He started laughing. We laughed for like 10 minutes and then went back to hardcore sex. Nice. Well, that's kind of like really a great dynamic to have a relationship then, right? To like yeah. know when it's too much and then it can kind of be funny. Yeah, because sometimes in the heat of the moment, yeah, you can go a little overboard. Yeah. You know, I shouldn't have said about he, you know, having sex with his sister, <laughs> even though I met his sister and his sister's really, really nice. <laughs> She's probably listening to this now. <laughs> she probably as... will find this on the internet. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Um, okay, so you're into mansmell, you're into verbal degradation. What are some other things that you're interested in sexually? Fucking. I mean, besides fucking. <laughs> um, I like romance, a little romance first. Okay. I kind of greedy. I want everything. I want the bam, fuck, hard, hard, hard. But I also want romance, romance. Okay. Because you can't get the fucking for me hard, hard unless you get the little romance like caressing, touching, looking each other's into each other's eyes. And then once we get all over that, we're all hard and everything, we're all built up, then let's just go for it like animals. So let's talk a little bit about the bars that you were going to. Because when you started going out to like, I don't know, I guess we say like quote unquote leather bars. I mean, what were those locations? Are they open today? Were they here The in first Los bar Angeles? I went to was called CC Construction in Palm Springs. I lived okay. in Riverside at the time. And it took me everything I had to go walk into that bar. Why? You were scared? Yeah. I was really young. Okay. And um, just moved out of my parents' house. I was living with a couple, a straight couple in Riverside. So I drove to Palm Springs, and I walked in there. It was quiet. Had a cocktail. Then a couple guys came up to me. Didn't know what was going on. And so I was very nervous and scared, so I left. Huh. And I remember this guy following me. He, um, I jumped in my car, he jumped in his, he followed me. Finally, I pulled over and I said, I got all cholo, like, what the fuck, what do you want? I can't remember what he said, but we did not engage that night. Huh. Um, but by that point, I started catching on what was going on. When a guy talks to you, that means they usually want to have sex with you. I got it, okay. So the next bar I went to... I mean, that would have been weird if, we, if he was following me too. I, I like... No, who does that? Follows you in the car. He wanted the... He wanted the penis. The Latino meat. <laughs> so time I went to the... I forgot what the other bar was called. They were having a drag show. By that point, I had caught on, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get into this. Uh-huh. So um, but the other bars, that was my first bar. Um, I used to go to the Fault Line. I used to love the Fault Line. This was back when it was in a different location then, no, right? S- no, same, same location? I'm not that old, young oh, man. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay, the fault line. Last interview for Brandon. This. <laughs> the fault, I used to love the fault line. Their Sunday beer bus was the best. Mm. Everyone says that. Oh, my God. The bears, everybody, it was just awesome. What made it so special? Maybe it was us. We were young. We were mm. free. We didn't have all the, to the degree, the pressures maybe that our parents or our, the, the previous generation had. Mm-hmm concerning homosexuality and then coming out. Um, oh, God, the stories that would come from there. It was unbelievable. I mean, I guess... That parking lot across the street should be... <laughs> a monument? <laughs> yes, I'm telling <laughs> I mean, I guess we can talk about it. The fault line isn't open. No, it's not. It's, and it's really sad that it isn't. But what are some of, like, the most memorable experiences you've, you've had there? Oh, my God. I remember that I met this guy. I lived in the valley. I met this guy, and he lived in the valley too, and we agreed to hook up. So we, there was a parking lot across the street. Uh-huh. 
where there's a school. I don't know if that school's still there or whatever. Um, there was a parking lot there, and anyways, it was a it was dirt, and the sex and the DNA that was all over that parking lot probably created a lot of babies. Oh my God! And so I remember that um, this guy, I guess. He didn't think I was going to go through on the act or whatever, so he had me take off all my clothes. I dumped in my car, he dumped in my car, and I followed him home, and he took my clothes with him. And he didn't give them back till I got to his Wait, house. Wait, so you drove naked? I drove butt-ass naked on the 101 freeway at like 10 o'clock maybe, drunk. I'm not saying you should drink and drive. Me as an adult says you should not drink and drive. But back then. But back then. That's what had happened. I want to drive home naked on command like that. If you're listening, (laughs) (laughs) wow, that's fucking hot. And so what happened when you went back to his place? We had, I didn't know he had a lover, but we had sex with him and and his lover. Him and his partner. Wow. I mean, there's so so many stories from falling. It's just unbelievable. The the way that sex happened at the bars, I mean, it was, it's. I mean, it's super illegal, right? <laughs> like, do people just get away with it more often then, or like? I think it's how the bar responds. I had a gentleman within the uh, police department tell me uh, one time. He goes, a commander. He said, um, "We don't really give a fuck what you do within the walls, mm-hmm. but don't bring it outside. Don't bring it into the neighborhood." Right. You know, <laughs> if we got to get a call at. Two o'clock in the morning because some guys or someone's having sex in someone's yard, we will not be happy. Yeah, yeah. So my policy is always, I'm not saying I condone sex in a bar. I'm just saying my policy is keep it within the bar. Right. The walls. Uh, Out of respect for the Out of respect for the neighbors, respect for the community. And the thing is, too, I mean, I'm sure back in the day that... You could get away with a little bit of uh, of that if you really wanted to, but these days everyone has a doorbell camera or some kind of whatever, and you'll see it on the internet. Oh, there was two people in my front yard. Here's a video of them, and you can you can see it. Actually, funny story. There's a person who um, will remain nameless for right now, but you know who they are. And- God, I hope I don't put out their <laughs> name when you tell me the story. <laughs> It was so well. I could say it because they were public about it, but they had their like doorbell camera video footage that they posted on Facebook. And they're like, to the guy who left me a, a condom full of cum in my backyard last night. Thank you. And it shows some guy holding up this condom full of cum and tying it up, and then walking to the backyard. And he left it there. He showed a picture of the condom filled with cum in his backyard. Wow. Yeah. It's like a waste of cum. Uh, no, he saved it for him in a little oh. package. Oh. <laughs> but how long is cum good after it's been exposed to the air? I think, well, Alum. it's tied up in the condom. It's not exposed to air. Hmm. You'll probably use it for a while. Maybe that's a good way to make some extra money. <laughs> Sell cum in a condom. That is, um, that's part of um, the event that we're going to produce. Um, Bust a nut. Yes. Condom shots. Yes. Actually, that'd Cox. be really cute. Little, little like pina colada shots or whatever, Malibu or whatever in condoms and tie them up. And suck on them. And suck on them. I think we have a great idea going here. Oh, that's great. I actually like that <laughs> idea. We, we can could raise them, money for uh, a charity. Yes. We can call them cum shots. Well, cum shots is Bailey's and um, butterscotch. But in a condom. But in a condom. Yeah. Wow. I wonder how many condoms I wonder we can get cheap condoms at. Oh, we'll find we'll find oh, yeah. ways. Um, the internet cent store, huh? The internet. Yeah, or ninety nine cents. <laughs> the ninety nine cent store. That's it. We'll just get clear balloons. Then we'll act it. No, I think it has to be a condom. That's what you're going to call. Yeah, I think that's what's going to sell it. <laughs> oh, we can sell magnums, which are double shots. Yeah, but, <laughs> but most of the guys are going to request those are going to be liars. <laughs> I remember the first time I hooked up with. Uh, a guy that I well not the first time but the first Steve? time I was like, oh I'm sorry no and the first time I was hooking up with somebody he goes he was trying to pump my head full of air he goes oh you might need to buy some condoms if we we're gonna come over I said okay I'd never bought condoms before it's like twenty or something and so I go to the store and he texts me he's like well knowing your size you should get magnums 
And I was like, I had no idea what that meant. But now I found out later that he was just trying to tried to impress make, you impress like oh well let's give him a compliment oh you need magnums i've actually been very fortunate i didn't need no magnum <laughs> i actually been very fortunate well, oh you mean in the size department yeah i'm talking about with the boyfriends oh and the boyfriends my first one was i'm not going to mention his name okay. he was a little below average um and then again i'm not going to mention the last one he was a little below average too okay um so I've been pretty lucky as far as my long-term relationships. I guess if you can call it lucky. But I got tested. I found that, I mean, this is not a scientific, you know, survey or. Or whatever. Yeah. But I, um, I found that the guys that are average to below average are better at making love. Huh. Because guys with big penises. Okay. By the way, my phone number is, no. Um, I found that some guys with big penises are just like here i'm we're supposed to get all like google eye and oh my god you got a big dick okay no it takes it takes a little bit more than that oh, they put too much stock into their size so, yeah. so they don't want to put the the work or into yeah. the actual it doesn't matter actors. the size of the ocean it's the ocean liner or how do they say it or it's not the size of the ship it's the ocean the motion of the ocean the motion of the ocean that's there what it is motion of and the last guy i gotta tell you he was he impressed me yeah He's very much at I me. Mean, he may not have the biggest penis in town, but he, he knew how to make love. No, how, now, the gentleman before that had a, a really big penis, probably the largest I've ever been to. I'm giving a shout out to. So. And did he know what to do with it? Oh, yeah. But <laughs> ours was, that was more, I considered that more like, even though we were together for seven years, that was kind of like trick sex. Our, okay. our sex was trick sex. You know, like when you just meet someone, <clears throat> right? For eight years, for seven, eight years. I wouldn't know. Can't relate. Oh, I'm sorry. Just <laughs> um, I'm a virgin. I thought you oh, were a virgin. Oh, please. <laughs> we can't even lie and say that. Uh, so, Fault Line, uh, were there any bars around that are not I used to go to, the, um, I believe it was called Griffith, mm -hmm. which is now the Eagle. Okay. I remember I used to be a prostitute. Oh, really? Yes. I used to. Like not in West street, Hollywood? Not a street walking hoe. Okay. I put ads out in, um, like, I think it's the LA Weekly, I think they call it, or something like that. <laughs> Wait a second, hold on. As far as my understanding, prostitution in California has always been illegal, right? So how do you put ads out in the LA Weekly? Well, it was one of those magazines that catered to um, um, massages. Is it LA Weekly? What is it called? Weekly? Oh, did you pose as a massage therapist? Yes. This explains so much. Not about you, but okay. Sorry, one more sidebar. I went to go get a massage, and my regular massage guy was not available. So I get on the internet, and I find a massage guy, and he just kept trying to have sex with me the whole time. And I got upset, and I said, "Like this isn't." What I, I actually want. got upset when a guy wanted to do, wanted me to actually give him a massage. Oh, really? See, well, that's what I want. I want an actual massage. And if I'm paying 150 bucks for it. Well, you're paying 150 bucks for the sex. A regular normal massage would only cost I you 50 bucks. I didn't know that. A non-sexual one, I think. <laughs> Not in L.A. <laughs> so did you get off? No, I left. <laughs> he was like, oh, well, if you want, I can give you a discount later. I Here's the thing. Oh, he was not a professional. I'm, not, I'm no shaming, no shaming for sex workers or anything. I just thought I was honestly getting a massage. So I was disappointed when I found out that that wasn't the situation. There was like little communication on that. And maybe I didn't. I don't know. Where did you find the guy? On Masseur Finder. But that's where I found my last Masseur. <laughs> now I know. Thank now, God you're pretty. Now I know better. Now I'm going to have to clarify ahead of time. But that guy was really hot. But I honestly, my whole body was like. I he was hot. You're going to pay him 150 bucks. So why don't you just do it? Because my body was literally in pain. I needed a massage. Oh. <laughs> it's like I have to get out of here. I need a real massage. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay. So you are one of those guys. Yes, okay. I made a living living in West Hollywood for a couple of years. Wow, doing that. Did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, I mean, I mean, who? Do, I like sex. Mm -hmm. I'm getting paid for sex. Oh. So yeah, I mean. Stories alone. I remember, um, I but after a while, the reason I stopped was because I found, I met this guy in mm -hmm. um, Laguna Beach. And we hit it off. 
And it was one of those things where I met him that night and we spent the whole week together. Mm-hmm. So I had to come back home because he goes, how could you basically we talk, how could you spend a week? And I, well, I'm on vacation. Well, you can only be on vacation for what, at the maximum two weeks, you know? Yeah, before it starts to become like, <laughs> what do you actually specific, do for yeah. work? Yeah. So finally, I, I, I told him what I did for a living. And but I didn't say I was all a process that I date men professionally. As an example, someone brags about to a co-worker or a family member, they have a boyfriend and they really don't, so they hire someone like me or, you know, to play that part. You must have been really cute back then. Uh, and what are you saying about me now, bitch? <laughs> Damn. So, yeah, and, and so he, so when I came out and told him the truth, he, he broke up with me. Oh, no. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, because I used to get free haircuts. We were together for like six months. Wow. If if a guy told me that, I actually would kind of be turned on by it, to be honest. Well, the guys I usually date, you know, I really have never been in an open relationship. Oh, really? Yeah. We Is, did it the right way. I mean, the back in the back, we cheated on each other behind each other's backs. Yeah, yeah, you weren't up. We did it. We it. did it the right way. <laughs> All this, honey, I'm gonna go to my new boy, my next boyfriend's house. Fuck that. We was cheated. That, We're going was, to visit mom. <laughs> was was like communicated open relationships. Uh, is that something that's relatively new in like, or has it always been around? I'm sure it's always been around. I mean, but for me personally, the guys, the guys that I date uh-huh. are not the kind of guys that do you prefer to be in a monogamous relationship? Um, Yeah. I do. I'm pretty traditional. Okay. I, I don't know if that's the correct word or not. You know, I like opening each other's doors. Okay. You know. Um, you like the chivalry. And... Yeah. You know, if I ask you out on a date, I pay. If you ask me on a date, you pay. Okay. You know, um, I like that. You like the romance. Yes. Hmm. I like kissing. I mean, yeah. I usually don't have sex on the first date. Usually. Mm-hmm. The key word is usually. Um, I haven't had sex on the first date in quite a while. So there's nobody out there that can say, well, he's a liar. I have pictures. I have pictures. <laughs> They're not me. Nobody has It's another pictures. Michael R. that looks like me. <laughs> the wind-up camera pictures yes. is what they were. The hologram. <laughs> the, the Polaroids or whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember that's a story. I was bartending at the bar, and this really cute guy came in. And this was a while back. And we went into the bathroom to have sex. Uh-huh. I, I blew him. And um, the bathroom that's, you know, closest to the bar. And I guess we t- took a little too long. And what happened was that by that point, like eight of my staff members moved their tables to right in front of the door and sat there having cocktails waiting for me to come out. <laughs> so there is a picture of me coming out of that bathroom with a <laughs> cum stain on my shirt. And they're just sitting there having cocktails yeah, waiting uh, right there. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I, I didn't realize he had, I thought I cleaned everything up. No. <laughs> there was still some in, your, some in your beard and some in your shirt. <laughs> That's how the kind of the bars were back then. Yeah. Again, it wasn't officially sanctioned. And when, for me, I didn't want it to be sanctioned by the owner. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I had sex quite a few times in bars in Palm Springs, and I can't name one of them, but we all know what it is. And when the owner you know hey use the private bathroom for uh, to have sex michael that kind of took out the fun i wanted to be in the general public where people would come and go and we're getting our groove on yeah sweating and yeah. getting all excited now i'm about to watch the golden girls to calm down i mean i would say though this is what i think makes the bullet bar for me sort of like i feel like it's the final frontier where things can really spontaneously kind of happen because a lot of places are in areas where you really can't be spontaneous like that. And if you are, like maybe you found a lucky, you know, moment or something. But I've been told at other places before, hey guys, love what's going on here. Can't happen at the bar. And it does take away some of the magic of what I think a queer gay space could be like that. And that's why I really value the bullet bar is because I do feel like it is a place where magic can still happen. 
I, I would say. It's with the customers. I didn't create it. I just was smart enough to continue it. I think I preserve the, is, is the better. Preserve. Yeah. I'm the gatekeeper, like I like to say, to the next bar owner comes, which hopefully is not going to be for a very long time. Um, but I didn't create that atmosphere at the bar. Mm-hmm. It was there already, the, the, the family feeling. Um, I just continued it. And I, I'm really happy. I am a very proud to say that I own the Buller Bar. Not just because it's my business, but because I went there before I was a customer. I mean, excuse me, I was a customer before I became an owner. Mm-hmm. I was a bar back. I went there, and I actually even dated one of the bartenders. That's mm-hmm. how I actually got started working at the bar. I went there on a date with the guy. There's this guy. He actually still comes into the bullet, too. No way. Yeah. <laughs> we went on a date. We went to Malibu or something, and we realized during there that this was not going to be a work. This was not <laughs> going to be a date. You know, it wasn't, wasn't going to work out. So he said, hey, I know this bar in the valley. It's Levi Leather. And uh, you want to go there? I said, sure. Went there. Had a great time. I was living in WeHo at the time. Had a great time. Uh, I don't know, maybe a week later that Friday, I went back and met the um, one of the bartenders who was off duty there to party. Older guy named Tony. Good looking older guy. And a hell of a cocksucker. <laughs> I mean, a hell of the cocksucker. So if anybody that knows Tony or you want to have a good cocksucker, his name is Tony. He's a really good looking guy. Anyways, am I going to get in trouble? Um, So I liked it. So we liked each other and we started dating. I was so jealous over him. I remember Mm. sitting by the mirrors, right? Looking at him when he was bartending, not letting my eyes like out of him out of my eyesight he gave the the i was latino like no one's gonna mess with my man yeah. <laughs> and he would just sit there with his friends or the guys at the bar laughing at me <laughs> we dated for, i forgot how long we dated probably six months mm-hmm. but yeah i liked i so so i asked him when a position came open you know hey i to the owner i said hey can i'm willing to work and they hired me as a bar back I was the little slut of that bar. <laughs> I had multiple boyfriends coming and going. I, would you say the culture that was in existence at that point in time when you were going to the Bullet Bar, is it similar to the way it is now or is it, has it changed, evolved over time? I think to the basics, it's the same. You've been in the bathroom. I mean, I don't <laughs> By the way, hold on. Before we get started, I have to show you what uh, one of your bartenders gave me as a gift. I'll be right back. You just wait here. I wonder what it could be. Oh, here he comes. This is a gift. Oh my God. <laughs> it's a urinal pad. A Dior urinal so pad. I'm going to put it together in an outfit and wear it on a, one of those nights as a jock or something. Yeah, you're into piss play, huh? Good oh, time. That's my main fetish. I, If I could be the urinal, I would. Do you would get pissed in? I get pissed in on in Is my it kind of like when you get pissed in, is it kind of like makes everything like a sunny, shine, a sunny day? <laughs> I wouldn't say it makes it a sunshiny day. I just. I think they should bottle piss and use it as lube. Oh, how do you know I don't? I'm not saying you. Oh. <laughs> I'm saying someone should. Oh, someone should. Oh, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think it would sell a lot. Oh, that's it's a natural idea. Um, and I think I believe it's sterile. The problem with that is um, story time. <clears throat> and we have so many sidebars. We're talking about you, honey. I don't think there would be enough time to store it. <laughs> story time. Um, I do have a friend, you know who you are, who mailed me a container of their piss. From across the country. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> it came in the mail. Was that recently? Yes. I'm surprised the United States Postal Service didn't flag it or uh, FedEx, whoever uses the delivery system. I don't know. Because it was a fluid. Maybe they tasted it, realized it was sterile. That's kind of hot, huh? It was. Oh my hot. God! That reminds me. I had sex. <laughs> and this is going to sound really hot. Uh-huh. I think it's going to sound hot. Maybe it's not. I remember having sex one time in school. Yeah. I was in the 12th grade. It was La Puente High School. Oh, my God. And I was... You started early. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was a senior. With a guy? Yeah. No, no. I had sex by myself. I jacked off. 
Oh. I got caught. You love the, you love the thrill, don't you? I was working during the summer at the school for some extra money, and um, it was time to clean up. So I took a shower, asked my kids, and said yes, and I was in the shower. <sighs> I was eight, 17, 18 years old, and uh, a coach, or not the coach, um, the guy in charge of the uh, maintenance people came in, so busted me. Yeah. What did they do? Said, we don't do that stuff here. I didn't get in trouble. I don't remember getting in trouble or getting arrested or losing my job. Yeah. But um, I wish it was like he came over and started rubbing on me and stuff like that. <laughs> you wish it was a, a men.com yeah. porno. porno. <laughs> but um, I jacked off several times to him busting me. Wow. Yes. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. La Puente High School. All their services are offered. Okay, let's get back to the bullet bar. Okay. Was it called the bullet bar when you went, or was it called something else? No, it's, I've always known it as, or excuse me, I've always worked there as being called the bullet bar. Okay. It was okay. Um, 1983. Actually, we'll be celebrating our 25th anniversary being called the bullet bar. And, excuse me, I'm wrong. 35 years being called the bullet bar and 25 years of me owning the bullet bar. Okay. Wow. What was the journey to becoming an owner? Again, it wasn't profound. Stumbled. You just... I wanted you to be a dancer. No, no, I mean, like, how do you uh, go to owning a bar all of a sudden? I worked as a bartender, right? And uh -huh. I used to bitch about, like, I guess most employees do bitch about their bosses. Uh-huh. You know, and I had a boyfriend at the time. And on the way to work from his house, he said, he goes, I can lend you, out of the blue, I have, I can lend you so much amount of money. If you can find a business partner to buy the bar. So I was, nobody really took me serious back then. You know, I was just a jokester, you know, a wild young kid. I asked several people. Um, nobody, everybody said no, or most of them said no, except um, Bob, uh, who was a customer at the bar. Bob used to write for the Leather Journal, and um, he would sit there getting stories from the patrons at the bar, what went on in the bar. So he was a regular customer there, and I just happened to mention to him he was interested. And so that's how I became one of the owners. Wow. And then around 13, 14 years ago, mm -hmm. I bought him out. And so now I'm the sole owner. So you own the building? Or? Well, me and the bank, yes. Okay, you own the bank. Miss one payment and see if they used to own it. <laughs> And that, that's one of the things that I think that like... Um, that's one of the smartest things I think I've ever done in my life was buy the property. I think it's because I bought the property that saved me during it, this pandemic. Exactly. There's so many places that closed down because they raised their rent. Some iconic places. Even though at the time my accountant told me that the ideal situation would be for me not to buy the bar, the property, excuse me, uh, because my rent was so low. My rent, my last Yeah, but rent. they can change it at any time. They had, we started, um, our rent was like 550 for the bar, for the property. Our, my last rent check, what, nine years later was 735 so they never ran up on the rent. Yeah. But the, the mother, the father had already passed away, and the mother was in a trust. She was getting really old, so the kids just wanted to sell it, so we got yeah. really lucky. And my partner at the time did not want to own the, um, continue with the, business with the business yeah wow but as far as so what happened is a gentleman named richard bass he um who was my boyfriend at the time he uh we set up a situation where i would pay him back each month and what happened is i didn't have enough money from what he gave me or lend me to uh, buy the bar completely by myself or even half of it so when i found bob i wasn't gonna you know he bob needed my money okay because he couldn't afford either so i borrowed i was able to borrow money from him also to get 50% of the market. That was another decision that I think that I'm really glad I did, that I didn't accept less than 50%. Mm -hmm. um, they paid both of the loans off. So um, then bought the property. What made you want to be the owner of the Bullet Bar? I didn't. I mean, it's not that I didn't it want to. It just happened? It just happened. It's not that I didn't want to become an owner of the Bullet Bar. I, I was young. Yeah. I wasn't thinking, you know, 20 years later. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about being a happy homosexual, getting, you know, young men partying, playing, whatever. I wasn't thinking about owning a business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and it just fell on me. And I was smart enough not to say no when it was when the offer was given to me. Let's talk a little bit about the title that we have at the Bullet Bar. Was there a title in place at the time when uh, you were a patron? No, there wasn't. No. Okay, so was it not associated with leather, or was yes, it that it was. there was just we before there was called the Bullet Bar? It was used to be a officers' club. It was it was a uh, okay. uniform club. Oh, I got it. And we okay. have some pictures still of it. Um, the owner behind the bar, uh-huh. and it was just a beer and wine. Oh, really? So it's, it has a history of leather. Yes. Oh yes, it's it's been a Levi leather bar for many many years. It was, um, and I, I feel stupid, but um, it was it's like six different names prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also had a country theme. One of us was a country theme. Um, I know before there was one one name. I think it was the Signal. The Signal. Okay. The Officers Club. The Bullet. Um, fudge. The Red Hanky. Okay. Wow. So always some kind of fetish. fetish. That's really awesome because there's not that many places yeah. anymore. Uh, one interesting fact, though, that mm-hmm. your customers want to know about the bullet. It started off as a deli. <laughs> so they sold meat and now they're still. Then it went from a deli. Mm-hmm. Because we still have we still have um, the vents, the old vents on the ceiling for the stoves. I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, it's right above, above the uh, liquor bottles. Wow. Um, and then it went from uh, a deli because they still hold a restaurant license. It went to a, a straight, heavy, hardcore biker bar. Wow! And the reason I know this is because the gentleman that used used to own the property next door named Pete, he was a little kid, you know, when his dad grew up in the area, and he worked at his dad's shop next door. So he saw all this. He said the cops would be there left and right. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what the the inner workings of it becoming from a straight backer bar to a gay club you know but it's kept the theme wow i love that history there's something really special about like going into the bar and like seeing that you are part of like this is why i want you to bring back not just for my own ego i promise you the pictures on the wall it's one thing to have it on the slideshow blah 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 everyone gets on the slideshow but there's something so special walking into the bar and then seeing a wall of physical pictures of the legacy of that title and just looking back and seeing everybody that was a part of that. When we took the, the, the pictures down of our title holders, it's not because we I plan to keep them forever mm. off the wall. Um, we took them off to fix them because uh, when they closed us, now it's time to find space. As you know, we don't have very much space in there. We're only an 800 square foot bar mm-hmm. inside. Our patio yeah. is much larger than the bar is. Um, so we got to find space. Outside is not feasible either because of the weather, the weather, elements. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I got to find a place because there's a lot of them. Yeah, and it's it's kind of amazing though because I so I can probably either put like four in a frame. Yeah. Or two in a, per frame to put done as. So I can get good, or you could just put one big one of me up there. Of your hoe? <laughs> That's who they'll probably recognize more than the face, honey. <laughs> He's smiling right now, oh by my the way. God, uh, I love you. Um. <laughs> your hoe with a surf cap on it. I can't tell you how many times I've walked in and one of your bartenders, who will remain nameless, will have written something on the drink special. That has something to do with piss and my name all over. <laughs> You're famous. It's they talk hilarious. about you in Palm Springs it's... at Wet and Wild. I would love to go to events like that. Oh, you have to. I can't. You, you can wear a mask. Um, no, I'm not worried about that. I was. I went to a couple play parties one time uh, out here in the valley, and this was a long time ago. And that's. And one of my bartenders was working at this play party. And I happened to go just to visit him, right? Okay. And not opposed to having sex either, so I'm not saying I wasn't opposed to that. But the first thing I do, someone screams out, oh my God, Michael Lara's there. What is he doing here? Screams across the room that. And that happens. Like, what do they think? You're a fucking nun? Because like, I'm a bar owner. doesn't mean I don't. I can't have sex or I shouldn't have sex or I shouldn't be sleazy. Yeah. I never understood that. Yeah. You know? I wipe just like everybody else does and I have urges and desires. Yeah. Um... I like to go in there. I like to have be go in my corner, do my thing. You know, I don't need to be screaming, Michael. I mean, it happens to me a lot. People don't. 
I mean, what, what, what does that mean for, like, how do you compensate that? Because you've, you've said. Tell to go fuck off. That you enjoy going out into those cruisy kind of situations. Have you just shut yourself off from that completely at this point? Oh, I just don't do, I just don't have sex in public like that because, and that's the main reason. But you enjoyed that. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't worth me, you know, for it because it happened too often. Hmm. So now, I mean, if I'm going to play, I, I, again, I don't do, I don't, I mean, I've had maybe three orgies in my entire life. Hmm. Um, So. Maybe we, we need to make that a goal. To have more orgies? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if my kitty cat will appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to call someone else daddy. We'll make yeah. that your, your New Year's resolution to have more orgies. Okay, so you're the one that started the title system then. My business partner and I did at the time, yes. We were oh. invited to join LALC. Uh, I believe we joined at their second meeting. Okay. And so we had a, so we created a title. And it, just like that, there was no, again, it wasn't like this. No, we just didn't all sit down and decide, have a profound moment. We didn't see any stars. We saw no bright lights. It just happened. If I am correct, and I'm probably going to get in trouble by a lot of some of your uh, viewers if I'm not, but if I'm correct, the reason titles, title host system started was for a bar to way to make generate money yeah. in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think personally, I want, and you could probably, and tell me if I'm wrong, but my idea was, titles, you guys are, be sluts, have fun. That's how you're going to represent the bar. Well, okay, there's, there was, I, I would I mean, say, have you ever, have I ever told you, pull your pants up? No, no, no. <laughs> Okay, let me tell you my perspective on this. Um, because historically, I believe you're correct, based off of my findings and, and understanding, that it was created to get people to come into the bar. And it was sort of like, oh, there was regulars coming into the bar, and it's like, oh, you're Mr. Whatever Bar. And then they ended up making it a competition as sort of like a fun way to like, hey, you're actually officially Mr. Bullet or whatever. And that sort of served as a walking advertisement for the bar. That was fun. It was a way to bring the community together. And I think over the years, from my understanding, that this the title system has grown so much that it become it's become elevated to a point of like, oh, now we have people that have this platform and it, it's more serious. But what's funny to me is like, I read a book that was written by Guy Baldwin that said, it's okay to run just for fun. And it's also okay to run if you have like a serious platform, but yeah, it is okay just to run for fun. And the thing is though, is like once you run for fun and you win, regardless of why you win in the first place, you do now have a platform and people do take you more seriously in the leather community at that point. And so like, regardless of your motives, you are put in that, that spot. I think we need to bring you back down to the basics for titles. That's how I, I, uh, I want my title to be. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying everybody has to follow me, but I, for me, I think it should be. It's like, we're men. Okay. Go on stage, you want the Mr. Bullet, represent the bar, but have fun doing it. So that in 30 years from now, you can look back at this and say, this was a positive experience. You can have stories of the stuff you did. Okay, there was a gentleman that was running LALC at one time many, many years ago that said that, um, I, I, if I'm correct, he said that uh, uh, titles holders should not have a drink in their hand. Hmm. I totally disagree with that. Hmm. Whether you're at a bar or you're at a social event, I mean, if you're... You, did he communicate his reasoning behind that thought? It just didn't look professional. And the it's supposed to be a professional situation. I mean, like we come to the bar to get away from the pressures of. I don't that. believe that it's your job to save the gay community as a title holder. Yeah, it's. I mean, the best way you could help, I, I believe, in the community is doing what you're doing now. Mm. This podcast, okay, and you're still a tramp. <laughs> yes. And as a tramp, being a walking advertisement to bring more people to the bar to experience the magic that is being in that space. And that's what keeps these places alive. Yes, and I think if you look at the bars that have survived is because they have that, that's how they operate. Mm -hmm. The eagle, the bullet, mm -hmm. you know, to a very large degree, Falcon North. Yes, it may have been, it's called something different now, but it's the people. It's the spirit of that, that yes. space, yeah.
And as long as that stays alive, I think like that's the important thing, right? Now, it's, I wonder. I think I don't know if anybody's did a research on this, but is is vanilla bars less family oriented than leather bars? Vanilla bars. Um, as, I would say are, are you a, saying a, vanilla gay bars? In a leather bar, there's more of a community, I think. Mm-hmm. A family. Well, here's what I will say, and this is from my limited experience of being at, quote-unquote, vanilla gay bars, is that we are the only bars, to my own understanding um, and my experiences, where when you walk in, a part, if not all of the cover, is going towards some sort of community outreach. Typically, when you walk into, I would say, a vanilla bar, if there's a cover, it's not going to some kind of community outreach. And that in and of itself just shows you like how involved we are with uplifting each other, whether it be like, you know, a, a charity for the uh, uh, the queer youth or animal shelters or the AIDS Foundation or whatever it might be. We're always kind of giving back to to our people. And I think that's what kind of sets, I would say, leather Bars I think apart. a business could do both. They can make a pro- be a business and make a profit. That's mm-hmm. what a business should do. But it also can give back. Yeah. But leather bars have also served, I would say, and again, from my own experience and observation, as, how do you describe it? Um, as places to call home. Yes. Well, we're going to take a quick pause right here and end our part one with Michael Lara for today. Make sure to stay in tune for next time to hear part two. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Twitter as Brandon Bullet LA. Thanks again for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky. Okay.